The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Money is an awesome thing if you know how to handle it, the joy it brings. Welcome to Straight Talk, Clear Decisions with Rick Saylor and co-host Eric Hamburg. As an investor, you should know what you're buying and what you're really holding. We'll demystify investing and lay it all out for you in easy-to-understand terms. Now, here's Rick and Eric. Rick Saylor, smooth financial sailing for the best part of your life. Well, I'm Rick. And I'm Eric. And we are your transparent wealth management hosts. Welcome to our show. Well, Eric, what a lovely post-Friday, what, a week away from Good Friday? I say they're they're all good. Some are just gooder than others. That's right. And I, I love Good Friday. I love this whole time of year. Love Easter. I love spring. It's it's here. You know, we know spring's here because it's 73 and raining. <laughs> hey, we you don't know, know what? what day it's going to rain. 73 is what I heard. I did. Do I, do I like sunshine? Yes, I do. But you know, in the spring, in the Midwest, this is what we get. You know, and now that, uh, as I shared on one of the other shows, I visited uh, Dr. John Bernstein and his brother David right here in Cincinnati. Great allergist, by the way, if I can put a plug in for them. Uh, and I tell you what, I feel like a new man. I mean, 20 years I've had this change of season thing. They called it, called it non-allergic rhinitis, which is a swelling up in your nasal passages, produces all the mucus. Drain into my chest, I get the upper respiratory infection, followed by antibiotics and all the symptom relief stuff, and then three weeks later, I'm out the door. Well, last fall, didn't happen like that. I've had bronchitis. It held on for about 13 weeks, and I've honestly thought I had pneumonia. Went up there, and, you know, now I'm, I'll tell you, I feel good. Yeah, you sound better. You're, you're not uh, all coggy and cloggy in the morning. Yeah. And it's a, you're a new you. What about that? I'm a new me, yeah, and I'm <laughs> sleeping on an elevated cushion. And my wife tells me I'm not snoring anymore, not at all last night. So all you guys out there trying to fix that situation, uh, we're all about the holistic approach. We can bring better quality of life. What good is all that money that we help people make if you can't enjoy, you it. Know, enjoy it? That's right. And so it, uh, So here's, here's to uh, cheers and here's to <laughs> happiness and prosperity and retirement. Health, health and prosperity. Your That's health right. and your prosperity. Which is what we're about here. We're, we're about your health and your prosperity on our show here. And we love this end-to-end process. We call it holistic, where all the finance, uh, four financial pillars kind of fit together. The first one being wealth management, uh, fee-based or commissioned. It's about the solution. Once we analyze what it is you need and then just, you know, find it out and being completely transparent about what you're paying, why you're paying it, and what it's doing for you. And the second pillar is taxes, both tax planning and preparation. I would say both of them are mandatory today. So we've got a tax partner. It's an outside partner, not affiliated or, or associated with Rick Saylor Financial or NPC. Um, but they do both the tax planning with our, some of our clients and tax preparation for a good chunk of our clients. But they do integrate with us. So we're not uh, diametrically opposed in our approaches. Uh, insurances, I say, you know, know what you make sure you got the right amount of coverages. And make sure you're paying a fair amount. And if you haven't checked that in a couple of years, you probably overdue. 
Yep. Last one, last pillar is estate planning. So we work with both elder law and estate planning attorneys. So this is, you've, you've created your asset, you've grown your asset, you've created this legacy. Now make sure it's in order so when the day does come and you do pass away, that your loved ones get your money, um, not the courts, the attorneys, the hospitals. So by doing very, um, I call it simple, but it's not a simple process, but by creating that estate plan today ensures your loved ones will receive, you know, they will be the beneficiaries of your estate. Right. You know, we just had some speakers come in, uh, was in the last couple of weeks, the Alzheimer's group. Um, you know, that was kind of alarming when you start to look at that aspect and, and you know, get trust work into that. Also, the risk management part. Uh, there's some great alternatives now, long-term care alternatives that uh, the partners do that, you know, you can actually use the money before you die on life insurance for that purpose. And then there's, you know, all all different number of things here in terms of risk management, but it just becomes so important about the, you know, the probability of success. You know, most baby boomers are concerned about outliving their money and there's a lot of enemies to that, you know? So I think about, you know, Hey, what's happening with the Iran and what's happening with ISIS, what we call negative geopolitical kind of things, which are always there. Well, you know, what's Vladimir Putin going to do this week? It's crazy, you know, uh, and then you look at things on the other side of that where you say, well, how about the economic factors? You know, you got those those factors, you know, what, what's going to happen with the price of oil? What's going to happen to stocks? What's going to happen to bonds when the interest rates go up? You know, those kind of risks. And then uh, then you take the uh, the behavioral, you know, is, is if somebody in terms of how they're spending money mm-hmm. in relationship to their uh to their portfolio and people always ask us well, what's a good amount of money to have well the answer is depends yep and depends also, on how, how much you're spending and it also depends on the tax status of that money you know taxes that play a huge how part much going keep? forward erosion how about inflation mm-hmm. you know and even though it seems a little benign now i mean by no means do do you think should you think that this is a this is normal you know these are abnormally low periods for interest rates and servicing debt you know, it's it's unusually low for inflation and what we call the core. But, you know, food and fuel, still volatile, always have been, probably always will be. <laughs> you know, which is the topic for today's show. Yeah, we'll be looking at, uh, you know, risk and return in an unusual market. That's right. And, you know, there's always opportunities and there's always perils in every market. It's just trying to decide and to figure out where those opportunities exist today. You know, they might not be the same opportunities that presented itself 10 years ago. So you got to take a different right. approach possibly at understanding what's driving this market. What's at play? What can or can't happen in the market? This isn't your parents' retirement. Yep. Right. It's not your grandparents' retirement either. That era in the in the 1900s where pensions came and what they called defined benefit plans, or think of it like a definite benefit, are, are disappearing. You know, and now a lot of that risk is being shifted over to you, the investor, and we just want to get you enough information in your hands, you know, that you can make intelligent decisions about how, who helps you with your money and who helps you with the, with the process here. And I would be remiss, Eric, if we didn't mention some of our uh, required disclosures Mm -hmm. that, of course, today's program is educational and it's only examples we give are illustrative examples. They're not, uh, you know, just 
illustrate examples of things. Uh, it doesn't constitute investment, tax, or legal advice, and you should always consult with qualified financial, legal, tax, or real estate professionals prior to taking any action. Uh, and of course, some of the things we may say may be forward-looking. Nobody has a crystal ball. We, we rely on the work of H.S. Dent, you know, well-published individual on the topic, and uh, kind of like Procter & Gamble. They think demographics are important. Well, we think it's pretty darn important, too. Yeah, and especially in this show today, um, we're going to talk a lot about indexes and indexes you can't directly invest in. And like you mentioned, we don't have a crystal ball, so no past performance is any guarantee to future results. But these indexes, it's going to be a very heavy show, so. Yeah, so we'll try to keep it light and, and uh, funny, right? <laughs> we'll try. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if money's funny. And I yeah. take it as a pretty serious matter. It is. But uh, now, you know, they say you should not take yourself so seriously because nobody else says. <laughs> <laughs> you got to laugh. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, risk and returns in an unusual market, Eric. I think you know, one of the first places, and it, that's not coincidental that we start out with that topic of risk first. Because looking for, we look at this every day. You know, you and Ryan and I look at the market report that we get every day before the market opens and spend about 10 to 15 minutes, uh, and we have four or five feeds that we listen to and comparing those. But basically, we're looking at what we see is a good risk and reward value arrangement. Yeah, so we're looking at that risk reward relationship uh, on any particular position we're looking at is a possible buy in that day. Mm-hmm. Or a sell on the other side. Or a sell on the other side where we should be moving out. And not that we're traders. We don't think that that's the path. We're looking for trends. We're using that as trending methods, methodology to try to kind of track what, where's the tide rising? Where do we think it's rising? Now, you know, the one challenge in the world of investment and wealth management, Eric, is that's constantly changing. Yep. You know, now we're going to take this first segment and talk about um, how do you analyze risk? How do you know the risk of a particular asset or asset class that may be in your portfolio? Well, you know, uh, there is modern portfolio theory and a little bit of history. A guy named Harry Markowitz developed that in the early 50s, about the same time Albert Einstein was coming up with the theory of relativity. Um, well, yeah, it was actually before that, wasn't it? But somewhere around that time period. And you know, he was considered the father of modern portfolio theory. Well, what he was looking at was on a graph of standard deviation, you know, and you've seen these graphs that look like an L kind of, and uh, risk is on the bottom and return is up the side. And it was to plot out what the risk and reward relationship was at any given moment in time on a particular asset. And by doing that, the idea is that you would get that colorful little pie with all those little slices in there whereby you could reduce your risk potentially and hopefully maintain a reasonable rate of return. Now, sometimes this thing goes really, really off. It does. Right? I mean, most of the market, for example, looks at that rear view mirror and says, well, what we've seen is most likely what we're going to see going forward. And and I don't think it was ever intended or designed as a forecasting tool. But for the most of the market, it's become that. Now, we use demographics largely. And if you want to go back and look at one of our other shows, we had Rodney Johnson from the Dent Research Group on. Great show. Uh, Go on uh, voiceamerica.com. Look at our past shows from Straight Talk, Clear Decision, and listen, cue that show up. And the giveaway store are applicable. Uh, But I think we use demographics, in other words, looking at driving factors in the market to forecast what we think is going to happen going forward. And 
And that's been more accurate, quite frankly, out of 23 major predictions on the market. I think they've been right on 18 mm -hmm. of the trend of the market. So forecasting aside, how do we look at the risk? How does Morningstar apply the alpha beta, the standard deviation to return? How do they, how do they, let's just kind of take them through the Morningstar report. And I think I'm going to, before we get in here, I'm going to say one thing. We've always been told, or for the most part, a lot of us have been told, the more risk you take in the market, the more return you're supposed to achieve. And I think the whole premise of the show is that's not necessarily true all the time. And so different when, when, markets, when was the period of time just recently where we saw that it completely inverted? From 2000 to 2010, a 100% bond uh, U.S. Treasury portfolio in that 10-year time frame beat return-wise what a 100% stock portfolio did. Crushed. Crushed it. Crushed and, to be a word because actually some people think the 1930s were the worst period of time for stocks, but actually the 2000s were. Yep. It was the first time the they called the yield curve inverted, and it went opposite, where stocks bared all the risk and didn't make the return that all the bonds, the fixed income section, or uh, sector. sector made. So it's just, it's looking at it. And like Rick mentioned, a lot of people use Morningstar. Um, we're not saying Morningstar is good, bad, or ugly. It's just a tool. It's a tool, but one of the... Um, I think it's a good foundation for it to start with so correct. people understand it. So as we're looking at this Morningstar report, um, first of all, you want to make sure that whoever's benchmarking or comparing your portfolio is using an appropriate benchmark. For example, we hear a lot of people say, well, the S&P 500, well, the S&P is comprised of 500 stocks. So yes, if you're, if you're a gambler in your portfolio and you're just buying all stocks and it's 100%, then that would be an appropriate benchmark. Correct. For the rest of us, <laughs> you know, we're using some mix, 60-40 is pretty common where you see 60% stocks, 40% bonds and cash. Uh, but you just want to make sure that there's an appropriate benchmark being compared here. And we're going to give you a little bit later here how you can tell that that's appropriate. And the reason you want to focus in on that is because if you are only holding 50% stocks and you keep looking at your statements and you're never achieving the same returns as the S&P 500, it's because you're using the wrong benchmark. It's not that that's wrong and it's not that your, your portfolio isn't working for you. You're just comparing it to something that it's, you know, it's like comparing apples to oranges. You have to make sure you're comparing yourself with your peers. With so most risk-adjusted portfolios last year returned around what? It was like 6 or 7%. Versus the S&P's 12 or 13. Correct. With so dividends. It's not that the 6 or 7 didn't work. It's if you're not all stock, create a, port, create a benchmark that is more applicable to you. If you're 60, 40... So here, here's another way of saying that. If you want all the upside of the of the market, then you're going to take all the downside too, yep. unless you unless you perfectly time the market. Now that's a novel idea. I haven't seen anybody <laughs> I think that's yet. Been tried. I haven't I haven't seen anybody do that except for maybe some politician uh, getting inside information. <laughs> that's usually when the SEC shows up. So when we look at uh, let's say a portfolio here, we're looking at the first graph we see, Eric, in the Morningstar shows what's the breakdown of the asset of, of your particular portfolio. So it's got cash by percentage. It's got U.S. stocks, non-U.S. stocks, bonds, or other, and then other not classified. So it just means it doesn't read that. And it's not that one mix is better than the other. It's just understanding what you have, because one of the misperceptions here is if you if all your money is in mutual funds and you don't have anything in cash, however, you pull up this report and it shows you have 10% sitting in cash, 
these managers of the mutual funds, if that's what you use to invest in, they're constantly buying and selling and switching and everything else out. At any point in time, they could have a nice chunk of cash. And if this report was ran when they had it, it's not that you're actually holding cash, but those mutual funds have cash sitting there. So it's not understanding what the buys you've done. It's understanding what's behind the scene. What is really made up of that mutual fund? Is it in U.S. stocks? Is it in cash? Is it all bonds? Um, or you could have, yeah, or in talking about mutual funds, or it could be the actual bond holding itself or the actual stock itself, whatever. Uh, and then as we move from left to right, there is uh, what they call the equity style box, which simply means it looks like a big tic-tac-toe board with borders. And so if you read across the, the top, on the far left corner says value, the next one says blend, and the one on the right says growth. And as you go down the right-hand side, it's large cap, mid cap, and small cap going top to bottom. And then by percentage, it takes the holdings. So if you've got 12 or 13 different holdings, it's going to break each one of them out and show you where your – if you've got a lot of correlation, meaning it's going to – if you have 12 different holdings and in your equity style box, they're all large cap growth, well, guess what? You've got 12 holdings doing the exact same thing. So this is try, this this, And that's what they tool. call correlation. So you're going to get correlation in those. And that's yeah. the whole idea of diversity. Like, are you really – we call it diversity dysfunction because a lot of the market – is going up together and coming down together and that's because we're getting a lot of overlap possibly in the portfolio or we could be getting behavioral the factors that are causing it where it's shifting it could be could be the managers themselves so this is just one way to to analyze and look at that and again all on this path of understanding diversification to understand risk yep so then the next box looks like a tic-tac-toe box, but it's the Morningstar fixed income. So this is your bond. If you hold any sort of bond, whether it's bond funds, actual bonds, or bond ETFs, this is the same breakdown. So across the top, you have your long-term bonds, your um, moderate, your medium-term, and your short-term duration. Down the right-hand side, you got your, your, um, your high, your medium, and your low. So this is going to be, you know, is it high risk, low risk, or is it in the middle? So is it a junk bond or is it a very high investment grade of a very high quality bond? And there again, it's going to show you if you hold multiple different bonds or fixed income, are all your holdings going after the same piece? And if they are, that's okay. But you have to understand that. And why do you hold two things that do the same thing? And again, diverse, if diversification with the concept doesn't guarantee it's going to lower your risk. But if that is the premise, if that's the narrative we're following, then you don't want overlap. Or if you believe that short-term bonds are the place to be and you don't want you know, medium and long-range bonds, because like a teeter-totter, when interest rates move, the farther out on the teeter-totter, the greater the whiplash, the greater the effect. So these are good basic fundamentals to, uh, you know, to parlay into the, the other parts of our show here is we're, we're talking about risk and returns in an unusual market and why this market's unusual. I mean, this is the 1930s all over again, really, just with different tools. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk a little bit about stimulus and how that's distorting it. But we would be remiss, Eric, if we didn't invite our listeners to go and get the free stuff. And the free stuff being, I mean, we've got an e-newsletter that uh, we write a view for every week and give some financial tips and, and that type of thing. You get a free subscription to that absolutely free just by going on to straighttalkcleardecisions.com and 
on the left-hand side, it's, there's a sign-up place. Yep, you sign up, put your name, first name, last name, and email address. And it's got some cool stuff in there. It's got a view. It's got the market headlines. We've got the, the demographics group. has a commentary every week. Here's what happened. Here's what it means to you. And we've got some other really cool stuff that's just about living. Phil- yeah. Philosophy, food, recipe of the week. Health tip. Health tip. Golf, golf tip. tip. Love it. Yep, it's here. Um, so and, you know, we we covered a lot of things. Our speaking, we, our speaking, speaking schedule, the yeah. calendar. Um, so you know, that's on our website, Straight Talk Clear Decisions. If you're more savvy with social media, go to our Facebook page. It's a uh, Rick Saylor Financial, and you can ask to be signed up to our e newsletter via that. And you can also ask for any of the free giveaways um, via Facebook or LinkedIn. We're on LinkedIn and Twitter at Rick Tireman, and that's R I K T I R E M E N T. So check us out, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. A lot of good stuff. The, a lot of free website. giveaways. We've got reports. We we got white papers and everything. And on past shows, as long as we still have supply, you're welcome to them. We'd love you to uh, to find out what's going on. And if you have a question, call us live. You can see if you saw this online, there's a number you can call in. And uh, our technician will get you right up, Brad. Uh, or call us uh, if you've got a request for information here and you just want to get the reports or whatever, 513 454 9999 and that's 24 7 they'll answer that and, and route that to us so you're listening to the straight talk clear decisions radio show with your no-nonsense host rick sailor and eric hamburg Hey, have you heard about the new long-term care alternatives? Many of you may know how I managed my mother's care and I took her through her money in the spend down into the veterans benefits. My father was a two-time Korean War vet and right into the Medicaid. She started out at $2,700 a month in assisted living and at the end of her life two years later was over $8,000. The three concerns I hear the most about long-term care insurance protection is that it's expensive, the premiums are rising, and I may never use it. Well, why don't you try what I did? I bought a life insurance long-term care. They can't cancel me, the premiums can never go up, and oh yeah, I can spend that death benefit before I die, if I'm critically, chronically, or terminally ill. Be sure and ask your advisor today. Rick Sailor, smooth financial sailing, for the best part of your life. Money is an awesome thing If you know how to handle it, the joy it brings You're listening to the Straight Talk Clear Decisions Radio Show with your no-nonsense host, Rick Saylor. And Eric Hamburg. So we're talking on this topic, Eric, of risk and rewards in an unusual market. Now, we started to lay the groundwork with how the market has historically analyzed risk, and it is with the tools of the modern portfolio theory uh, and the father of that, Harry Markowitz, analyzing risk relative to return and plotting that out, if you would. Um, so as we move forward with that, uh, with that narrative, we start to think about, okay, what are the things that, and we want you to understand kind of the basic fundamentals because we'll, we'll progress through this, but one of the things this does in Morningstar, we're not endorsing Morningstar, it's just an analytical tool, and we're looking at the holdings and how it analyzes stocks and bonds. Well, then the next line down is talking about which sectors compared to the benchmark 
Are right? You, mm-hmm. The appropriate benchmark, again, that's important. Make sure you got, if you've got a 60-40 kind of portfolio, make sure the benchmark you're being compared to looks like that. And so we're looking at a chart that looks like a triangle, and it's got sensitive on the top part, cyclical on the right, and defensive on the left. Now, there's a lot of different categories here, but it just compares it side by side, and the, and the blue dot in the middle says that's where the benchmark is, and then the red dot is where your portfolio that portfolio so is. is. It on, is it close to the benchmark? Is it off? Not uh, right or wrong, but again, this in another tool here that, that helps us evaluate how close is this being evaluated properly is something called R-squared. Now, the R-squared number shows up in the second page of the report, but it says, in this case, in three years, 97.82. So let's round that to 98. That's 98% correlating or in line with the benchmark. Yep. So, so if you're using a custom benchmark, that means you're comparing yourself very close, 98% you, you correlation to it. Yeah. However, if that R squared is showing a 50, well, then you, un- you should know the benchmark you're using is not as accurate and it's not a fair It's not comparison. as a line. It's not apples to apples. It's apples and oranges. Correct. And they're both they're hybrids. Good. So the next one here we see is world regions. Where you exposed around the world? Americas, greater Europe, greater Asia, or not classified. So, for example, if we think that Europe and Asia are going to do better than the United States in your 75, 78% in the United States and the Americas, then you're probably not going to beat your benchmarks. Or one of the, one of the big things is, is um, if you think all international funds are the same and what you're looking for is you want exposure in Europe, so you just buy this international mutual fund or ETF, you don't, under, you don't actually know what they're invested in unless you look at something like this. So if you think you're buying in the Europe, but the majority of that exposure is in the emerging markets, when Europe does well or doesn't do well, it doesn't necessarily mean your fund is going to do well or not going to do well because it's in different parts. So it's understanding where at geography these investments are because if you want certain exposure, there's only a couple ways to get it, and you have to understand where that fund is invested in order to get the right exposure. So if, you, if it sounds like what I'm hearing you say, Eric, this is about cause and effect. If you understand what sectors, if you can see where you're analyzed. Now, one of the handicaps we have with Morningstar is it's up to 90 days delayed on reporting. So, you, so that's not, you're not going to be able to trade along. So if you pull up a Morningstar report today, you're not going to get the exact holdings of that mutual fund. They could be holdings from 90 days ago. Yeah. So it's, it's, again, knowing that, that it's constantly changing. And, you know, and that's fair because why, you know, a, a man, money manager is not going to tell you their exact holdings every single day because then you trade along with it. So this is the closest snapshot you're going to get looking in a rearview mirror. It's through more. And speaking of snapshots and rearview mirrors, as I look at this next graph, what it does is take your portfolio as it's been inputted and looks backwards 10 years and compares it to the appropriate benchmark. That's right. Now, you want to see some daylight between the red line, which is your portfolio, and whatever the appropriate benchmark is. Uh, But again, there's no guarantee. They don't know. It wasn't a dynamic process where they knew what your trades were. Mm -hmm. This is like a buy and hold rearview mirror look. Now, the next page down, I think, is pretty useful because this is really where we start to see what they call alpha and beta. Beta is pure in the sense that, let's say, the, the benchmark is a, uh, a beta of one. So if the market were to drop 10%, you're going to be pretty close to that. It's going to drop 10% because you have a beta of one. If you have a beta of 0.5 and the market drops 10, you're going to drop 
half, which yeah, is five. five. So, but alpha on the other side is an efficiency of upside in the market, but it, it's not as pure because alpha can come out of a lot of different sectors. But we kind of think is, you know, the alpha is the, the gain. The fun number. And beta is the pain. Yep. And but you got to know both of those, in other words, so that you can determine what is your risk relative to the rate of return you're getting. So it's just it's understanding the dynamics of what makes up a portfolio, and if you have a high beta portfolio, again, as long as that's where you're comfortable, and it's going to make the reward. sense, and you're getting the reward for it. However, what if you're not? If you're taking all this risk and you're not seeing the same reward, well, something's not working. Something's not working out for you. Whether it was timing, whether it's just a not a good fund, but it's understanding what's working and what's not. And if you monitor and evaluate this, you'll be able to pick those apart. You know, you understand when things aren't working and you can fix it. But if you're never looking at it, it's in cruise control, and you're just looking the last 10 years and that fund did well, well, you're just buying yesterday's return. And we're not saying that's a you know, formula for success in the future, but just by going off what happened yesterday doesn't necessarily mean that's what's going to happen going forward. So as I look on this other graph, it's got three-year, five-year, and 10-year uh, in returns, and they call it the mean. Standard deviation, of course, is risk, and mean is the return. So in this given time period, I'm going to tell you, if you look beyond three or five years, I think you're just – it's kind of like forecasting on the weather. You know, the weather forecasters in a three- to four-day – yeah, they're they're the most accurate people as we understand from analysts yep. in any field. Now you start getting out in that five to ten day, I mean you're just blowing smoke. <laughs> and I gotta say, and and obviously this is just a rear view and an analysis of what's already happened. It's not a precursor of what's going to come. It's not a prediction of what's going to come. And flipping it into the future and saying, oh, most likely that's what we're going to see. Again, it's not a forecasting tool. Mm -mm. But I think what it does do effectively is it tells us, it shows us as we look what the return would have been compared to the benchmark in that period of time. I'm back over on the modern portfolio statistics side, alpha, beta, and R squared. We're seeing in the three-year how that, you know, the beta is and alpha and how that it's moving and it's changing. That's virtually changing every day. Yep. And uh, so, but I mean, to look at it in a period of time, you know, it's helpful to analyze. But I think, you know, when we start to see, and there's a whole lot of other information here in terms of sectors and, and, and grades of the bonds, you know, is it is it AAA or UN junk bonds? Um, your average weighting on those and, and just all kinds of information and data. Now, that's probably more useful to us in our world, because most people just want to know what did you, what kind of rate of return did you give me? That's a little simplistic, but I think like two sides on a coin, we should always be paying attention to what's the risk relative to the return. Mm -hmm. Those two should not be mentioned without one another. You know, what I mean, they're two sides to the same coin. You know, now this is kind of uh, I know for us this is interesting stuff. <laughs> It's to the listeners out there, maybe not, they're maybe just saying, hey, you know what? I just want to know how to get more return. Yep. And not, you know, not go crazy on risk. Or, or they're saying, I just want to know what my risk is. You know, I know what my risk is. Because the other side to this, you know, and the risk in the market is the last four years, say what you will, the market has, per the stock market has performed extremely well. Um, we're not, and not from fundamentals. Not from fundamentals. It's performed well. So if you are a conservative investor and you bought in 60, 40, you know, 60% stock market and 40% in the fixed income market four years ago, and you have not rebalanced once, you've not done anything else, your stock portion of your portfolio now could be as high as 80%, and your fixed income is now 20 So 
if we see a correction, you're going to lose a lot more. It's not because you you bought more stuff. It's not because you increased your equity exposure. It's because you didn't rebalance. You didn't look at it. You know, when certain sectors do well, you got to get it back in line. If you're conservative, you need to stay conservative. And rebalancing is no guarantee, again, that you're lowering risk. But what it does is it goes back to the original model that you had set forth. And I know with our clients, we're typically either seeing them once a quarter, twice a year, or once a year, depending on the amount of assets we're managing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the bottom line with that is that you want to make sure that you're going back to what you originally laid out. And if you don't like what you originally laid out, then reevaluate it from that point. That's right. Look and reassess it. Do you need, you know, what's the goal of that money? And if it's not something you need in the near future, maybe where it's, that's a good place. So let's think about this market. We've used this phrase, which we love, dysfunctional um, diversification. And that is, okay, when stocks are usually up, bonds are usually? Down or flat. Okay, so when bonds are up, stocks are usually? Down or flat. Except for when they're not. <laughs> what happens, what happens in a market where that we've hit now had over six years, this is one of the longest bull markets in the history, which means if you think of a bull market, it's on an uptrend. It's at all-time highs. This is the longest or one of the longest, having run over six years now. At the same time, interest rates are an, an all-time low. And we know like a teeter-totter, when interest rates go up, bond yields go down. So it could be possible that we could see stocks and bonds is interest rates rise, drop in value at the same time. Now, where's your diversification? Well, I call that diversification dysfunction. <laughs> so we've got to be looking at things that are more functional because this is an unusual market, and I'll just pop in our narrative. We look at demographics, in other words, and you've heard us if you listen to our other shows, 46-year-olds in the United States are the peak consumptive spenders. The number one and number two spending items are the building and buying of houses and the building and buying of cars. So because when you look at a wave, if you laid that demographic wave of baby boomers down like a train, then what you're seeing is the, the engine of the train is 83 this year and the caboose is 51. Well, five years ago, we left our peak spending wave. And we now we've been declining for five years. Well, is that any surprise that we've seen? You know, economics decline, not necessarily the stock market, but that's also where we saw stimulus come in on an unprecedented scale. Now, for folks who say, hey, we don't like stimulus, then our answer is how you like 1929, because we're pretty sure that's what we would have seen all over again. Mm -hmm. So when I look at the train, 83 and 51, we've got five more years before your generation, the millennials, and there are 80 million in your group start turning 46 again. Now, definitely the market's going to be a little bit different. The birth rate wave is not as steep. It's a little more flattened out, maybe a 45 degrees as opposed to closer to almost a 90. Mm -hmm. And I look at that and say the good news is, is in the year 2020, the United States begins to get 46-year-olds again. That's great news. The bad news is this is 2015. <laughs> So we remain, in our opinion, in a very unusual, what we like to call a paranormal market, where the things don't necessarily function the way they're supposed to. Yep. And you better be paying attention to that. So that's why we think now more than ever, you should be paying attention to the risk in your portfolio, not just the return. And this is when it's good to look at um, 
investors, institutions that performed well in good and bad markets. And one of the ones that always come to the top of our minds is institutions. They typically do well in good markets and they do well in bad markets. So let's try to replicate how they do it. And, you know, that's some of the tools that we use in order to decipher, well, what can happen in this market? And if certain things happen, how is it going to affect our clients' portfolios. Now, of course, we have to say, Eric, we know a lot of smart people that lost a lot of money in 2008. Yep. So it's not just because you're institutional. It's not just because you're smart. It's not just because you got a lot of money. Because, like, for example, PEMCO, one of the biggest bond funds at that time and run by Bill Gross, who since has jumped ship and gone to Janus. Yep. And Al Aran, his Al second, Aran. who left. Uh, those guys never saw, at PEMCO, never saw the stimulus coming in. So they're looking at the fundamentals of the market saying, ah, the, the government's not going to do that, which kind of reminds me of the 1970s when the government bailed out Chrysler. Okay, what's well, a little different when the government steps in behind to backdrop this and do what they did because it distorts things that normally would happen. That's why you watch CNBC and you see two intelligent, well-dressed people on there saying two diametrically opposed things. And it's not that they're either one of them are not smart or that whatever it is, but you can't both be right at the same time. That's right. And I think it's not, it's, it's can't get more clear than this. You know, like you mentioned before, stocks and bonds last year, the S and P, which you heard everybody talk about returned, I'll call it 12%. It was right around 12%. You look at the 30 year treasury, which is the 30 year U S government treasury returned almost 25% in the same year. So the bond made 25, the stock market made 12 in a healthy, fundamentally sound market, that probably shouldn't happen. Again, going back to the fundamentals, you know, interest rates have a big effect on bonds. However, this is getting perverted because we're printing money. We've got billions of dollars flooding in from overseas because now other countries are printing money. Um, so it's perverting the system in ways we haven't seen and a lot of people have never seen in their life. Um, so it's understanding what's out there and what can happen. This is, it's not any more clear. Have a goal for your money. Figure out what you want your money to do for you. So here's one of the questions in a planning kind of process that comes up quite often. People are always saying, well, should I pay down debt or should I invest? Well, the simple rule is if you can service debt at a 3 or 4% and you can get a higher rate of return, that's called a margin. So if you can get a dividend at 6 and you're servicing debt at 3.5, you get to keep the difference. So don't pay off your your debt. But that's not always the case and those dynamics in the market shift. So speaking of which, we have a tool that looks at 60, 60 different headlines in the market and simulates because like I'm fond of saying, uh, quoting from the Bible, there's nothing new under the sun. I think that was the, uh, who was that, uh, David or Solomon in Psalms. There's nothing new under the sun. And so when you look at what's happened in the past in the market, we can look at uh, simulating that against somebody's particular holdings to see what would happen to that today. Mm-hmm. Because these aren't new dynamics. These have happened before. And when certain things, you know, for example, when our dollar gets stronger, typically, you know, um, other currencies get a little weaker. So we've seen these before. We just might not have seen this many scenarios happen at the exact same time. But how are you going to know how your portfolio is going to react if some of these actually do happen? And that's the ultimate question. How so are for you example, protected? let's look at some of those scenarios that we have in here. We've got 
some of the leading scenarios right now are dysfunctional Europe, the S&P, should I say, overvaluation, mm-hmm. like we heard from another source that uh, the S&P 500 is trading at 18, 18 times. And if we come in with a weaker first quarter, which I think the market's expecting, then it could shoot up to 20 times earnings. Well, if you know anything about price of a stock to the earnings the market spends off, they call that a P.E. ratio. And if those are up, I mean, those are high numbers. This tells us, you know, hey, the stocks may be overvalued at this point in time. But, I mean, there's some things we anticipate. I think we all know that interest rates are going up. It's just a question of how much and when. So, I mean, that's a component that the market, as I understand from our feeds, has not priced in on either the stock or bond side. Mm -hmm. Now, with this last Friday's, you know, week uh, job creation report, they expected 245,000 jobs, and they came in at a whopping 123, 126. Yeah, 126,000. I mean, there's been some other factors. We wouldn't just center in on one metric, you know, but this is a very data-dependent market. You know, the Fed, we're watching the Fed who's watching the data. Now, here's what we've seen. Again, in the paranormal market is the Fed has started to talk about raising interest rates. It's made the dollar stronger because we've had slow growth here. But at the same time, we have 23 other central banks around the world who are in what they call stimulating or easing mode. So they're cheapening their currency. And voila, what do we see in Europe and Germany? Their, their economies are healing. Right. We're seeing rise in Germany on their PMI index, their output. We're seeing it in Europe. Well, we expected that. And we have some positions we played on that, expecting fully they're going to deploy quantitative easing and they're running through uh, September 2016. But, you know, the reality is their quantitative easing looks different than ours because they don't have a, you know, a Fed and a Treasury. They have a European common zone. And so it'd be kind of like the United States if we were to print currency and then buy state bonds, 50 different states. That's kind of what it is in Europe. So we know exactly how that's going to affect it. But some of our positions are up substantially this year. Yep. And it's a, it's a cool tool to understand. You know, we're always thinking, well, what if what if uh, oil went back up to 100 bucks a barrel or what if the dollar fell back down? Um, you know, unless you've got a tool, unless you've got the software you're just hoping and guessing, looking back in history to see how it worked out. It's, it's knowing not just what you can make when something happens in the market. It's what's at risk. What you're going to risk. Because you, you know, know if you lose 50%, Eric, what are you going to make to get even? 100%. You know what our motto is? Don't lose 50%. <laughs> so so it's, it's understanding the risk and the re- reward out there. Because there will be a time, there will be a place where this market is at fair value, and then it's going to be a good time and, to jump and in. And let us say this, even though volatility, that's that choppiness, has been fairly benign in the last year and a half or so, don't think that that's the new norm. Mm. It's coming back, and it may come back with a vengeance. But as we return more to fundamentals, I think that's what we'll start to see. So it becomes kind of important. All right. Well, listen, stay tuned with us. We're going to go into the next part of the show and talk about a really free offer that's great uh, and how that you can know your risk. You don't have to wonder. You can know what your risk number is in a very short period of time. Uh, We know in a combined amount of time we've been together but just about 40 years, I've never seen a tool like this. We've been using it for the last couple of years. But it, it tells us how people feel about their, their money and the risk-reward relationships, so what they think about it. So uh, stay tuned for that. You're listening to the Straight Talk Clear Decisions radio show with your no-nonsense host, Rick Saylor. And Eric Hamburg. Rick Saylor. 
best part of your life. Money is an awesome thing. If you know how to handle it, the joy it brings. Hey, what about estate planning? An up-to-date will guarantees you're going to go through probate. And without, well, don't worry about it. The government will decide for you. The three enemies to an estate today are number one, the federal inheritance tax, two, probate, and number three, income tax. So your choices here are you can give all your money away. That might not be any fun. You may need it. Or you can create a trust to hold those assets. And remember, you don't have to own the assets to enjoy the benefits. So a revocable living trust can help avoid the expenses and costly delays of probate, and along with a living will, power of attorney, durable health care power of attorney. So be sure and ask about our attorney partners today for a free consultation. Rick Saylor, smooth financial sailing for the best part of your life. Money is an awesome thing. If you know how to handle it, the joy it brings. You're listening to the Straight Talk Clear Decisions radio show with your Straight Talk Money host, Rick Saylor. And Eric Hamburg. Well, Eric, on this topic of risk and returns in an unusual market, you know, one of the things we were talking about on the break was how that we had not actually even talked about how the people could take advantage of a great tool to know where their risk is right now and how they feel about that rather than what they think. Just think. Um, and then also, I think the important component takes a lot of that stuff we talked about in the first segment and all the complexity of that and shows it to you in a simple number. So in other words, there's a series of questions that you'll be walked through. The first series in our question, and we can send you this link, and we'll do that free of charge. All you have to do is call us at 513-454-9999 or request that. Go to straighttalkcleardecisions.com and request it. Uh, it will send you out the link. Or you can do it on Facebook, Rick Saylor Financials, our Facebook page. Leave us a message or right on the wall, and we'll, um, we'll get the link right out to you. It's four questions. Tweet us. At retirement. Yep. R I K. Don't don't forget that spelling. <laughs> retirement. Clever. Clever and witty people we have working here. So, you know, uh, we want you to know what your risk is now. I think the second stage, the step in this, is knowing what your portfolio looks like in comparison. Are you in line with that risk, and how can you improve that? Because if you don't know what's broke, you're not going to you're not going to know how to fix it. There you go. So. As we look in that first link, that first page of that link, it'll ask, what's most important? Are you looking at, have you got some debt you want to pay down? Is that a priority? What's number one, two, and three? Yep. Is it retirement? Is it wealth accumulation? Is it income? Is it college, college. debt, planning? Is it something else, other? Yeah. And it's really because you've got to have a plan for each bucket of your money, and it's understanding how each one of them is going to work and understand that this is actually the right plan to accomplish this goal. And if it's not, might as well change it now. And this is a really simple way to see that. Correct. And then the next thing you plot in your your age, your your year of birth, and the retirement age you anticipate. By or if you're already retired, the, your retirement plug age. Plug that in. By the third page, you put in the total investable assets that, that you have, and that would be everything not counting your real estate. Not that those aren't investments to you. It's just not a liquid asset. Mm -hmm. And so once you put in your cash, your checking, your savings, CDs, retirement accounts, 401ks, all that, then on that fourth screen, it says, in the next six months, would you feel comfortable with this amount of risk? So if you put in 
a million dollars and it says the market was to drop 8%, you potentially could see $80,000 go out of your portfolio. But on the other side of that teeter-totter on the upside, it says it could make 12. Do you feel comfortable with that or would you be losing sleep over that? And it's not that, you know, and the reason no right or wrong. And the reason we show that is it's not just about the upside. Granted, yes, we all want to make as much money as we can and none of us ever want to lose money, right, Rick? But the 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 fact of the matter is you're One not going to somebody told me uh, recently and we hear that a lot. Why well, just we don't like the losses, we just like the winners. Yeah. Hey, us too. <laughs> so it's understanding you're not going to time it, and what are you comfortable with? Are you comfortable with a 10% correction? And if you are, great. If you're not, guess what? You can't you can't assume that much risk. You need to go a little bit, maybe a little maybe a little bit more conservative. So or, say, for example, you do feel comfortable with that, and you say, okay, I'm comfortable with 10% down, which on a million dollars would be 10,000 or 100,000, 100, and then I but I potentially could make 15% would be 150. I'm comfortable with that. I'll sleep okay at night. Now, understand that if you tell your advisor that, then those are the guidelines and the perimeters we're going to be working within. Yep. But it's told us how you feel. Now, what I find interesting is that once we walk through that process, and there's two other slides in there, it says you get two other chances to correct it, and it, it spits out a number. Now, what's that number represent? Let's say it says 54. Well, from zero, from one to 33, and it's a scale of 1 to 99. And if it's 1 to 33, you're in a conservative type. You should be in a conservative type portfolio because that's how you really feel. Mm-hmm. If it's 34 to 66, you're more moderate. So maybe that is a 60% stock, 40% kind of bonding cash portfolio. The last one, 67 to 99, you're growth-oriented. So you want to make sure that the, how you feel about your risk is what's matching. Now, the next one is... Enter your portfolio, yep. put in your holdings, which is the second step, and then see how those compare and see what's going to happen, you know, in a hypothetical situation. Yeah, because, you know, it's great that you understand how you want your money to work for you, but you also got to understand how your money is actually working for you. And if you're thinking conservative and your portfolio is actually aggressive, it's not that that's wrong Disconnect. or right. It's Disconnect. just something's not there's a disconnect like you, something's not working you know maybe you either come back to conservative or maybe you truly are growth oriented it's it's no it's not debating it's just having that conversation it's a communication well here's and why is that important Eric? because you know here's what we've seen we've seen all these graphs and you probably have too that over time most investors we know we're supposed to buy low and sell high or buy early and sell late what do most investors do they tend to buy high on a motion and, and they turn around and sell on fear. Now, why they is that? They buy when everybody, when the market's rising and they think, hey, this is great. Let's just buy some stocks. And they're buying near the top or yesterday's return, as you said, mm-hmm. potentially. But then when the market crashes and it goes down, like we saw in 2008, people are selling. They get scared. They get scared. And I understand fear. And I understand the, what I want to say, the emotional impact of that. But if you go into this, what, what we like to say is begin with the end in mind. You know what it is. You know how you feel. Then you should be within this range, and that's why most people that get competent financial advisory help do better. Because yeah. I know when the market goes down, we go, hey, wait a minute. I know I know that you want to bolt and run. That's something that is in our makeup. It's Behavioral. in our DNA. It's called, called the flight or fight. And it goes way back to our ancestors, I guess, in the survival days, and that's how they survived. That's why we're here, mm-hmm. right? That kicked in. But on the other side of that, sometimes 
you need to look at the facts and base it on facts, not your feelings. And that's what we try to do. And that's what you should look for. Anybody that's helping you and advising you on your money enough, if they're, and I'll tell you what, we find a lot of people that are in our field that, that manage on feelings. They're humans. Yeah. And you know, the easy way. They chase sectors, they chase returns because all that one's, that one's rising and we want to put it on our books and a mutual fund so it shows up even though they didn't actually hold it for all that time. Mm -hmm. We see that kind of thing. Uh, because let's face it, the smartest people in our business probably get it right half the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's it's knowing, and you know the easiest way to find out what that process is is if you do it yourself. Well, ask yourself, what's your process? What do you determine what to buy? If you have your own broker, have an own advisor, ask them what's their process. How do they determine what to buy and what to sell? You know, there should be a process, and it should be a proven process. And well, that's how about what, we have. Or what you were saying there: what to buy, when to buy it, and when, when to, to sell it. it. You know, because it's great. Most people hold too long. Yeah, they think, well, this is this is cool. This this return can last forever and ever, and then, bam. It, it smacks them in the face, and now they just lost half of what they just worked hard for. Of course, for. next time, though, I'll sell that before that drops. That's right. I'm, I'm going to get it next time. How about that 60 Minutes special we saw last year on the high-frequency trading and, the, and the, the millions of dollars they spilled to get spend to get invest to get those high-speed lines that trade nanoseconds? Just milliseconds, nanoseconds before you trade. Yeah. If, you're, if you've watched 60 Minutes, Google, um, it was 60 Minutes. It's Michael Lewis. It was Flash Boys. Um, it was, I think it's two minutes long or three minutes long, and it basically goes through Wall Street. This is Wall Street's game. We're just here trying to play along. They've invested billions with a B in order to make sure they can continue to beat that average investor. Um, you know, it's not about so getting don't, there don't try to play their game. That's right. Find the trends, use a tool they're not using, and, and get your results, which leads us kind of to another analytical tool. If we've said this once, we will, we'll continue to say it 100 more times, that, that a, a financial, a personal financial plan is like your personal GPS, and you absolutely, positively got to have that because that's going to measure your story. So in other words... The inputs in there are going to spit out a number. A rate of return is an average rate of return that you need to make to make sure you don't run out of money before you run out of life. So the inputs we know we put in are your budget inflow, outflow, how you're spending money, your current portfolio, your vision, values, and dreams and goals for your life, and tests against inflation, taxes, and volatility. What that spins out is a real simple, looks like a speedometer reading on a car. 99% is not a guarantee of success. However, it tells us that these things happening with these inputs, your output, it looks like you're in good shape. If it's at 75, you're breaking even. Mm -hmm. You're heading into the red zone. You start going below that, and, and it's saying that the probability that you may outlive your money is getting greater, and you got to make some changes. So my point here, Eric, is that once you know that number, don't chase returns. And that's what we try to, I guess, consistently drive home on the show but I think a great starting place, and let's focus back on that, is know your risk yep. relative to the return. And, and find, take what the market's willing to give. Like the S&P's up less than 1% this year. Yep, and that's on a good day. <laughs> I so, mean, this is what, almost uh, the middle of April? Yeah, so, you know, it's finding your comfort zone. Where are, you, where are you comfortable right now? Because there are a lot of headwinds, like we talked about. And no one has a crystal ball. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But we do know, you know, if you've got a plan and you're in the right risk category, you should be comfortable with what happens, both good and bad, in this market. 
And I think one of the telling things that I heard early in my career, and I'll repeat, I think it's worth repeating. If we doubled your portfolio tomorrow, how would it change the way you live today? But what would happen if you lost half of it? How would that change the way you feel? Or how would it change your standard of living? Now, to some people, they say, hey, I've made so much money, I'm probably not going to spend this. But does it warrant just gambling away your money? I don't think it does. So I'm going to encourage you. It's free. All you have to do is just reach out to us. You can call on our number, 513-454-9999, 24-7, they'll answer that. You can visit us at straighttalkcleardecisions.com, request this free giveaway, the risk analysis. We'll send that link out to you, take that test, and we'll help you determine if you're where that you feel comfortable or if you're not. And that could be maybe you're too conservative. Now, you know, I'm always interested when I find people that answer the very logical analytical test one way and then the how they feel about their money is totally different mm-hmm. so i think this could be a very telling telling component there uh and then we can help you walk you through this and we'll do this at no charge to help you determine what may be broken because if you don't know what's broken how are you going to fix it that's right so make sure you get on the website and this um this little test can be done on a laptop, a computer, a smartphone, an iPad, a tablet. Um, so, you know, visit us on social media. Go to our Facebook page, Rick Saylor Financial. Ask for the free offer, the free risk analysis. Tweet us at retirement, R-I-K-T-I-R-M-E-N-T. Or you can go to our LinkedIn page as well as our um, our webpage, straighttalkcleardecisions.com. You know, browse around. Ask for any and everything. We've got a lot of white papers. Like we mentioned in the beginning of the show, we are a holistic wealth management firm. We focus on four pillars, investment, taxes, insurance, and estate planning. So we have different partners that offer different um, advice, and we've got some of their white papers, you know, accessible Great to reports, you. Great reports. Get educated. Get informed. Make good decisions because if you know what you're buying – why you're buying it and what you're doing, it's doing for you. That makes a, a good decision because you know what something's costing you and then what, is, what you're being paid. And that's really, at the end of the day, that's the story. Well, thanks for joining us on the show, Risk and Returns in an Unusual Market. Stay tuned and uh, tune in to us next week. We'll have an interesting topic. You've been listening to the Straight Talk Clear Decisions radio show with your no-nonsense host, Rick Saylor. And Eric Hamburg. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.